It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Thanks for taking time to be with us. And as most of you know, I've been gone for a, oh, two and a half weeks to Africa, and it's good to be home. If you've ever been to Africa, you know that uh, the air is always filled with smoke. doesn't matter what time of year you go, uh, because they're cooking all their meals outside, mostly in the dirt. And they have this wood. They, they lay out in, in outside, and they, they cook everything. They, so the, you smell smoke wherever you go. I haven't smelled any smoke since I came home. I'm feeling a little bit out of sorts. In fact, someone asked me when we landed here at Boise, do you smell the smoke? I said, no, I, I don't. I don't smell the smoke. Anyway, it's good to be back. And again, thanks for being here with us. Um, thank you to the guys that preached for me while I'm gone. Uh, Stephen Morielli, didn't you appreciate uh, he and Pastor Jason? I know Pastor Jason's gone, but uh, Steve's here. Steve, where are you? Around here somewhere. Uh, there you are. Stand up. Would you just say thank you to Steve? And we'll do it to Jason too. Huh? Thanks, brother. It's always good to know when you're gone that uh, there, there are guys here to share the word of God. And uh, they'll do a great job. Amen? Amen. Um, this morning, as we uh, think about our trip, I'm going to have the team come in just a little bit, but I want to say a few things before they come. But uh, I want to read a portion of Scripture that's been on my heart uh, for some time. In fact, I was reading this in the airplane. I had a pen and paper out, and I was writing some notes. And I, I was writing on a napkin. And some lady over on the other side of the aisle, she tapped me on the shoulder... And I turned around, and in the dark, she handed me a bunch of paper to write my sermon on. <laughs> Thought it was pretty cool. About 10 minutes later, some young buck, I'm guessing he's about 25 years of age, good-looking guy, big, long, dark beard, dark head of hair. He walks by me. When he comes back, he stops. He looks, and he goes, oh, Romans chapter 10, that's a good one. Now, that's a good chapter right there, brother. That's pretty cool. Amen. Man, I love that kind of stuff. So I want to read just three verses. Okay, three verses from the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 13, 14, and 15. And then I just want to make a few more remarks before the team comes. So would you stand as we read the Word of God together this morning? Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It'll probably be on your screen, or you can have your, uh, uh, your version, whatever uh, version you've got, the Bible or whatever. Here we go. Verse 13. Everyone who calls... On the name of the Lord, God will be saved. Now, that's a pretty cool statement right there. Amen? Amen. Think about that for a moment. Everyone, doesn't matter where you come from, what part of the country, where in the world, what color your skin, what, what language you speak, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That's a promise of God's word. Yeehaw! I'm getting excited now. Amen? How then, but, can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Are you getting the picture, church? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh, you want to you read that last phrase with me? Read it with me. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Wow. Now, God, this morning, it's not about us. It's not about a team that went to Africa. It's not about Mountain View Church. Oh, God, we're a part of the story. So we, we're included, and we, well, Lord, we love that. We're humbled, and we can be just a tiny piece of whatever you're doing in our world. But today, God, it's really about you. It's about what you did, oh, Father, by sending your son, Jesus the Christ, to die on a cross, that whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Lord, that's what it's about. That's what this morning's about. And Lord, even though we're talking a little bit about our trip and some of the things we've experienced, Lord, really, my heart is for those here today who don't know you. Maybe they've never had a chance to say, Jesus, uh, if, if you truly are God with us, then you're bigger than me, and I need someone in my life to guide me, to, to steer me, to, to lead me. And Lord, God, I know I need, I need you in my life. Maybe, Lord, that's what this is about today. So Lord, as we share the story and we celebrate what you do through us, God, really. Jesus is the one who brought the good news of the gospel to us. And he's laid that upon our shoulders and we get to be a part of it. So, Lord, bless our time this morning. I, I trust we'll laugh, Lord. Maybe we'll cry a little bit because your spirit is so close. God, I don't want to just come here and do church. I want to see and feel and touch the hem of your garment. And I pray for that for every person that is here this morning. So, my friend, this morning, as we share, if you just open your heart to God, say, Lord, uh, if this is true, that God, that what I'm hearing this preacher say, uh, Lord, I open my heart to you. My friend, if you'll open your heart to him, I'll tell you what, he'll speak into your life, and he'll say things that I can't say or anybody else can, because you are open to his voice. And I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. So now, hide the messengers today behind the cross. Because today we would see Jesus and Jesus only. Now, if you're in favor of that prayer, say amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, hey, I just got to confess. When I came back uh, from, from Africa, I landed. We hopped in the car and we're driving th through the beautiful state of Idaho. I was reminded of something. I was reminded of how much I love the... Uh, the feel of farming. Now, have, you, have any of you noticed we pretty much live in farming country? <laughs> I mean, we got horses, we got cattle. But, but is there anything better than the smell of mint on fresh dew? Or alfalfa? I mean, I open my door some days and I tell honey, I tell my wife, I say, honey, the whole world smells like perfume right now. It's the mint that's flowing through the air. How about that corn? Driving down my road, Gar Garnet, going on to Graphic. You turn the corner. The, the, the corn, what, what do they say? How high by the... Knee high by the 4th of July. I mean, you can't even see the cars coming around the corner. I almost hit one this morning on the way to church. I, I was actually praying, and, and I forgot what the Lord said. Watch and pray. I had my eyes closed. 
I'm, I'm just teasing you. You know, even the smell of grain and, and the smell of animals. And, and uh, can you beat the smell of water on freshly plowed ground? I'm telling you, I, when, I, when I come back from Africa, I, I, it just reminds me of how much I love living in farm country. Have you ever noticed that the wheat here, when, when, when it gets full, it bows like this? Uh, J.B. Chapman, maybe you've heard his name. J.B. Chapman, preacher many years ago. He made the statement, only the full heads of wheat know to bow down in worship to our creator. <laughs> I like that statement, J.B. Chapman. Maybe it's because my dad. My dad, you know, uh, before we were born, when he was a young man, he was a farmer. He wound up being a supervisor of one of the largest fleets of uh, bus transportation in California by the time he retired. But he, he was raised a farmer. Uh, he, he had a couple of horses that plowed the fields. Uh, Bobby and the Boots, big horses. Seen a couple of pictures of them. Maybe that's why I, I, love, I love the feel of farming. And maybe that's why for the last 30, 35 years, um, well, I've, I've done a lot of these trips around four or five different continents. Um, what, what, how many continents are there? Seven cotton, continents? I think I've been to five of them. I think I've planted churches on every one of them. But after, after a season, it seemed to me like God said to me, I, I want you to go to farming. I want you to quit this. And I want you to start farming. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? And it seemed to me like the Lord said to me, I want you to start farming the same property, the same, the same ground. Start tilling, start watering, start reaping a harvest from the same ground. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? You go back to the same, to the same soil. You get to know the soil. You know the ingredients you need in the soil to get the best harvest. You become acquainted with what grows there, what doesn't, how to water, how to fertilize. All that kind of stuff comes with going back to the same property. So for the last 10 years, closer to 15, I've been going back to Africa every single year, sometimes two times a year. And I've been going to Malawi and Mozambique and watering the soil, tilling the soil, planting seeds. And, and it's been amazing what I've seen and the fact that you have gone with me this year means more to me than what you know. You know, you're the fourth church that I've, I'm doing the interim with, but you're the first church that's gone with me. Others have given, but, but you're the first that's gone with me. And, and it moves my heart. I, I, I'm far more humbled than I can say this morning as, as I think about what you've done to, to, to go with me this year. And... and uh, in, in going back, I've seen some things I would have never seen had I not gone back for almost 15 years. I wrote a few of them down. I, perhaps one of the greatest things I've seen is the power of one church plant. Now, and I, I already said, I think I've planted churches in every, in every continent I've gone to. I, I've had a part in plant, starting a church. 
Uh, when we were in Ukraine, we started one in a barn. It was incredible. What they tell me today, it's going strong. The same pastor that was there in 2006 is still the pastor today. That's pretty cool. Pray for him and his wife through this whole Ukrainian mess because he, Vladimir, and his wife Maria are the ones who are transporting people to safety, putting their own lives at risk. I know these people. I planted their church. That's pretty special to me. But think of it in Africa. Uh, you plant one church, and guess what? That church becomes two, three, four churches. You'll see one or two or three of these, maybe this morning. Uh, th- those, those churches, the minute you plant them, they begin to plant other churches in villages around them. All it takes is one. It's an incredible, what do you call that? Multiplication? Uh, exponential growth? Something like that. And all you do is plant one seed, and they do the rest. It's pretty incredible. One church becomes a district of churches. You can't even keep up with it. I, I might have mentioned to you that some of the leaders came to me in Mozambique, and they said, we got a question. We've been told to slow the work of the church down. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> it, was, it was the general leaders that told these guys. Fastest growing, two of the fastest growing nations in the entire world we were at this year. Mozambique, Malawi. Over 35,000 Nazarenes on one district. How do you manage that? And we think it's big here if we got two or three or four or five or ten. is a big one. How do you slow it down? What do you say? Well, I say, well, I don't want to go against my leaders, but it sounds to me like the book of Acts is going on here. So let her burn. Amen? Amen. God's big enough to take care of his own PR. Just like the church of Acts. What if they said in the book of Acts on the Pentecost Sunday, when they had 3,000, more than 3,000, hey, we better slow this thing down. Let's slow down the, the work of the church. No, let her burn. God's big enough to handle it. So that's where we were, and I've watched these churches grow. I, I'm going to go faster here. Orphanages and refugee camps. I've seen churches in orphanages and refugee camps who are raising up leaders from multiple nations. I shared two men with you before I left. One of them come out of a Muslim, a Muslim background. He told me before I left, he said, Let's pray for me because I'm now in a church. I'm going to be inducted in November and he said, it's a very dangerous area. I, I, my life has been threatened. Can you come and preach for me? Can you come and share with me? And I'm praying about that. But here's a young man who's been threatened by his life because he's now a Christian, come out of a Muslim family, and he's winning the church. He's winning his family to the kingdom. His brothers who threatened him are turning to Christ. Amen. Yeah. The Emmanuel. They killed his father. Then they killed his brother thinking they was him. He, he started a church in in a refugee camp, he didn't even know that he was a Nazarene, but because it was a Nazarene pastor that brought him to the Lord when he was in prison for nothing, he started a Nazarene church. And now he's in Canada. And I've known this guy to start several churches. It's amazing, the power of one church plan, the power of seeing the growth in these and raising up leaders out of refugee camps, church. Come on, that's the book of Acts. I've experienced the power of fresh, clean water. You go to a village where there's, there's no electricity. There's no... You can't flip on a light at night. There's no running water. 
The well is about this big and it's full of mud. And so the children die one after another because of waterborne diseases. You go into that village, put in one well, and you save a world. And it's not just about water. The women who have to walk two or three hours one way with their little children girls. They're all girls. The girls get the water. They put those five-gallon buckets of water on their head. Most men could not do this. And those children carry that water back and forth. And when they do, they're in dangerous areas. They're molested, raped, and beat up. You put a well in a church, you know what you do? You save a life. You protect a child. It's a whole system of education. And now thousands of people, I've seen one well feed over 10,000 people because we put it in one village that was miles away from any kind of civilization. That's today in Africa. And you were a part of that. Well... How, how about um, asking a question this morning? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? Well, you may not have gone, but you did because you sent. You sent a team, and your feet went with them. Your hands worked through them. Your eyes saw through them. How big are your feet? Huh? You got a footprint? You got a footprint? How big is your footprint? They've asked me if I'd I'd, I'd be a missionary speaker for you down the months. We'll see where this goes. You know, did you know we're looking for a new pastor? Did you know that? Come on, I'm just having a little fun, right? And and if it works out, I'm going to be your faith promise speaker. I'd love to do that. And I'm going to tell you a story about some feet. Because your feet are getting bigger. Did you know that? Your feet are getting bigger in Malawi and Mozambique. They're growing. I'm telling you. Beautiful feet. Now, I want you to hear the story from the team members. Eleven people went with us. Five of them were from Eugene City Church, where I used to pastor. Their pastor and a a group. Uh, Six of them came from our area, from Idaho. Uh, Three of them from this church. Uh, Two of them from the Carter Nazarene Church. Uh, one of them from Eagle Church. And I've asked them to share, but first we're going to kick it off by, um, I, I want Dr. Tara Moore. She's a professor at the uh, College of Idaho. She kind of wrote a synopsis, not for this event, but when I read it, the pastor from Eugene texted me and he said, I'm weeping as I read this report from Dr. Tara. And I, so I texted Tara. I said, Tara, uh, I know you didn't write this for public consumption, but... Uh, would you mind? Would you mind kind of introducing us to this? And so, Tara went with me to teach. Um, and you got to know, women teachers in Africa are not the most popular thing. She also went as my daughter-in-law. And the first arena we were in, we hit the ground running. We're in northern Malawi, and we find out that daughter-in-laws are not supposed to be speaking to their father-in-laws. And she's teaching alongside me. It was a funny thing. I won't show them the pictures of how you were taught to bow down to your father-in-law. No, no, I was not going to show them. No, no, stand up, please. Literally, she was educated by women in the village how she was to treat me. First of all, she's not supposed to speak to me. She's supposed to speak to my brothers, the uncles, in order to tell me a message. But this girl here, I mean, she's in charge. Come on, come on. All right. 
Good level for the mic. Our trip might best be described as having been met with resistance at every turn. From the very start, flights were canceled, delayed, and even missed. We were stuck in foreign countries in which we lacked the language to communicate. It took an unprecedented five days for us to reach our destination. While there, we experienced breakdowns. Some members of our team were present for two hospital visits in Mozambique for the children of our host who was under attack. We were hard-pressed to give up the entire time. Throughout it all, we were reminded that what the enemy intended for bad, God absolutely used for his good. We held fast to that promise that if we were present and if we served our living God, that he would take care of the rest. And in that, we participated in church restoration. Together with our African brothers and sisters, we witnessed pastors and churches resolving conflicts. We participated in community building, in learning, and in worship. We watched in real time how God helps build up and value the voice and the presence of women in his church. Perhaps God was working to teach us lessons along the way, as some of us worked to come to grips with African time. In Africa, one hour really means two, or three, or sometimes never. In Africa, we often hurried to wait. But perhaps the more pressing lesson we had to understand was that we did not, and we do not, command time. Time is God's realm, and therefore he holds it. God's timing is one of those things that is more easily said, but the understanding is less easily displayed. And this trip very clearly captured our growing pains. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9, I noticed it's up on the wall here, sums up what I believe some of us were working to authenticate. This trip where our plans really meant very little, God's plans were able to come into fruition. Each and every day was completely out of our control, but it was never out of God's control. And as you know, this trip to Africa included the intersection of water wells with soul wells, which go hand in hand. Water, spiritual and physical, is truly life-giving. And here, our team joined efforts and celebrated in well dedications— shared testimony of God's steadfast faithfulness and his living water. Gospel messages were shared through kids' camps. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And there they did. 600-plus children hungry for an introduction to Christ Mm. received just that. They played, drank, and sang Jesus. And here we were privileged to share in those moments. Not just the children of Malawi, but the children in Mozambique. A daily cacophony of children clamoring to see, touch, and be with the Mzungus. And celebrating together the presence of 100 years of Mozambican Nazarenes. Services numbering more than 2,000 Nazarene preachers, teachers, and leaders in desperate need of encouragement prayer, anointing, and teaching. And so that's what happened. Hours spent in people-cramped settings, prayer, song, and preaching 
crossing languages to meet the needs of a God-hungry people. And what is the gospel if not shared as freedom? Here, the trip took a, a unique plot twist. The setting, a prison in Mozambique, a serious and powerful story with a twist of humor, God's creativity in helping our team be present in his work. After rushing to prepare less than 200 meager sandwiches, we delivered food and all accompanying materials to a men's prison. Entering the prison without a translator brought on significant difficulty. We were body searched. Our loaves of bread had no guarantee of reaching the intended participants. Upon entry, we found 1,000 imprisoned men hungry for a message of freedom. And in that place, it was apparent that we gave all that we had, less of us and more of him. Hope was preached, the powerful song of 1,000 voices strong asking for forgiveness, inviting the hope and the peace and the freedom of Jesus into their hearts, inside of prison walls. That is the power of Jesus. But we realized an unfortunate thing. In our scurry to deliver our loaves of bread, coated with butter and jam, we inadvertently delivered six large steak knives inside of the prison walls. We remember, we will forever remember this as a day, that a Nazarene team shared the gospel with prisoners and smuggled knives into that very same prison. (laughs) We find the situation a bit ironic and humorous, that we were body searched, but our bags with bread and knives were never checked. (laughs) And we laugh now because we made it safely outside of those prison walls, and we claim that this is what you call cutting-edge evangelism. Evidence that the gospel is a double-edged sword. (laughs) We learn that service work and dirty work in Jesus' name is a ministry. Neither oil-based paint nor dishwashing in a country where running water is a scarcity are clean tasks. But when done in Jesus' name, his kingdom is built. We were reminded time and again that relationship building for the purpose of heaven is truly God-honoring work. I believe that the scripture suggests that if Jesus were walking beside us in Africa, he would have joined and played frisbee and soccer with the children. Mm-hmm. Our trip afforded us unexpected blessings of our very own airport angel named Katie. Mm-hmm. Katie, who was instrumental in getting us to Africa. Katie, who prayed for us throughout our time in Africa and Katie, who welcomed us home upon our arrival from Africa. Our trip made apparent God's work in breaking taboos. Just read through the Beatitudes. And taboos are present everywhere, but here, while on this particular trip, we witnessed African perspectives about women, daughters-in-law, women and education, segregation, patriarchy, oppression and we got a small taste of what our churches in this area combat daily. 
Our trip invited the opportunity to support growing leaders and to help promote growth from unlikely places, like Abigail in Malawi North, Mozambican prison translators, Mulunguzu church building in a well-less community, building countrywide leadership, establishing Jesus-based sustainable schools. In the end, our travels were characterized by difficulty, but what came about was undoubtedly God's work. Our team was uniquely, wonderfully, and purposely brought together. Relationships were forged in Jesus' name, and most days we encouraged one another through the simple act of laughter. Each member of our team offered a positive and purposeful contribution, and we were described by a local church leader as the best and the most favorite team because we overcame difficulty together and because we loved to laugh together. So, church, you are the ones who sent the hands and the feet through us. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Now, in just a minute, we'll have the team come forward. Um, I think I've got a picture here of the note. There it is from Katie. We, we get to Portland. They canceled our flight. We spent the night in the airport. We get to Chicago. Our flight was canceled two days in a row. We spent two nights in Chicago. We were supposed to immediately go and start doing ministry the day we got there. So you can see we were very concerned. Uh, because pastors and children from all over the regions had come so we could minister. Here's Katie's note for us at the airport. Thank you for being his hands and feet. God is working. I was supposed to leave at 9 a.m. I'm praying for your flights. Wow. That was our angel, Katie, and we're so grateful for her. Now, I'm going to ask the team to come up here, and while they're doing that, I'm going to ask Greg Greg Teasdale. Greg, come on up here, would you, real quick, buddy? He doesn't know that I'm asking him to come up. Come on, quick. Come on up, Greg. And uh, would you guys kind of sit in order of the way you're, you're um, sharing? So I think Lamont would be here, and you'd be chair number three. And uh, although I'm not supposed to be talking to you, I will. Um, let's see. Uh, Greg, come here. You know, whenever we leave, whenever I'm gone, somebody's got to turn on the lights. Somebody's got to unlock the doors. Uh, somebody's got to uh, turn the lights off, turn off the air conditioning, turn it on, uh, lock the doors. Day in, day out, week after week, this guy does it all. I found it's been a thankless job. So we wanted to give you a shirt all the way from Mozambique, Africa. I hope it fits. Let's try it on. You look pretty good, buddy. Yes, sir. You look good, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, look at this guy, huh? Yeah, stand up and give him applause. We love you, man. You the guy. He is a part of the team. Thanks, Greg. You may be seated. I expect to see you wearing that at staff this week. Yeah. So each one of the team members is going to share three minutes. They have three pictures. A picture is a thousand words. We could give you a thousand pictures, but we're going to limit to three apiece. We even have a timer today. Isn't that amazing? So here we go. Are you ready? Lamont is going to be number one, buddy. So go right on up there. 
and uh, let's see, we got this little doohickey, so I'm going to stand here behind you so I can kind of see where we're going. Okay, the clock is running. Three minutes. Yeah, I don't know if this matches what I'm going to be saying here, but... That's all right. So I'm just, I'm just going to get started with okay. what, I, what I want to share. Mountain View Church of the Nazarene, you have changed the lives of people halfway around the world. I witnessed firsthand prayers and offerings being used to build the kingdom of God. Along with my daughter Emily, I had the privilege of dedicating the well that we funded as a church family. We were the first to unlock the padlock and pump the water out. Hearing what the water means to the people that make up Area 23 Church of the Nazarene is very humbling. They talked about the first use of the water as being able to build a wall around the church to protect it from the thieves. To be able to clean the church without packing water long distances in buckets on top of their heads for mopping floors and washing walls. Once they get the wall built, they will also be able to monitor who is coming in from surrounding communities to use the well. This will give them an opportunity to witness to the people that would otherwise never come onto the church property. When I first got to Malawi, I was thinking that maybe the people didn't know how poor they are. I quickly realized that they do know how poor they are when it comes to the material things in this world. But by not having material things, this keeps their egos from getting in the way of worshiping God. We first arrived and visited multiple churches in and around the area. We opened the doors and got out of our vehicles, and I could hear the people singing, clapping, and worshiping our Father in heaven. It didn't take us long, even though we didn't speak the same language as them, to realize we serve an awesome God who understands our hearts and all the different languages. We quickly started clapping to the beat, dancing, and worshiping with fellow brothers and sisters of the family of God. What an awesome experience to see the joy and the hope in these people that literally have nothing. The time I got to spend with my daughter Emily and the rest of our team is something that I will never forget. Lifelong memories and friendships were made. I was definitely out of my comfort zone. The cold showers, the scalding hot showers, the water bottle showers, the sleepless nights, the 36 hours of flight time. I was stretched, but James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mm -hmm. Pastor Les told me to keep it to three minutes. In Africa time, I believe that is about 30 minutes. (laughs) The church service, when we dedicated the well, was about four hours to four and a half hours. And every day I would ask our driver, Crispin, how long is the drive? He would say, 30 minutes. So in America time, that was about two hours. If he said two hours, that meant three or four hours. I quickly realized, this guy has no idea. (laughs) I will leave you with this. January 1st of this year, I thought I was preparing for my daughter's wedding in June, setting a goal of losing 30 pounds. I quickly realized I wasn't losing the weight for just the wedding, but I needed to be in shape to answer the call that was placed on my heart. God had plans to make me go on this trip to Africa. So when we left in July, I was down 50 pounds, and my heart was prepared. If God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Emily, one of the great thrills we had was three dads 
four dads, four dads, got to take either their, their children or their grandchildren and daughter-in-laws this trip. I've never seen that happen. It was an incredible blessing. Emily, please. Good morning. Good morning. Did you? I actually. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. Okay. So this picture was at the well dedication. This was right when we started pumping the water, and the kids usually aren't allowed to like play in the water. But since it was the first time that water was coming out of the well, we were like, let them play. And there's not much to say about this picture, but if you can see their little hands in there, yeah, I think yeah. it speaks for itself. Yeah. Pretty and then man. this, this thing right here. Yeah. I don't know why we did it. I don't know why I did it right now. But the first day we got there, I did it. And these kids, they ate it up. They thought it was so funny. It was awesome. Here, let's all do it. So then every morning, (laughs) I wish you could see it from my point because it is just awesome. Just seeing this every time. Smiles, hands open for God, ready to learn, ready to love, all of the things. Amen. And the next one, yeah. And then this is a picture. If you can't tell, it's kids touching my hair. Something that I look in the mirror every morning and I'm like, man, I wish it was a little bit longer. wish it was a little bit blonder. I get to Africa, and about five minutes before this picture was taken, I was on the other side of the school, and there was about 45 kids that just wanted to touch my hair. I don't know. They just, they've never seen anything like it. They've never seen white people. They've never seen hair like mine. And so, in the name of the Lord, I said, you can play with the pigtails. And they played with the pigtails, and they laughed, and they loved, and... Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Like everyone else has been saying, you can tell that the people don't have a lot of materialistic things. But they are the happiest people you will meet. They are so happy because they have the only thing they need, and that's God. And they are ready to serve, and they are ready to love. And if you ever get the chance to go to either of those places, go and love the people because they love you. They love you from Africa right now. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Let's see. I, too, have not prepared anything formal. Uh, so, so these are free hugs. Um, I basically set up a station where I just held my arms out, and the children would just come and get hugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one after another. They just, they wanted to touch, they wanted to love, they, they wanted to be held. And so um, that was an easy and wonderful task. Uh, here, this is one of my favorite moments. We visited a church in, uh, oh, Mulungu? Mulunguzu. Mulunguzu. And uh, this pastor, Emilio, who... Uh, Dr. Les has his hand over. We are praying and blessing his church. This is one of the church plants that uh, Dad had an opportunity to start mm-hmm. years 20, 2019. Mm-hmm. Was that in 2019? Yeah, like and that. Um, this is the Wellless community, and um, this man is pouring his life into the village, uh, taking care of the people, taking care of the children. And we walked into this church uh, to hear the youth of his church singing Mm -hmm. and practicing their choir Um, and if you've never heard africans sing it is something it is something it is a form of worship that goes beyond uh, Mm -hmm. something that 
Mm -hmm. We often understand, I think. So, Tara, can mm -hmm. I just say yeah. that one of the things we try to do is take enough money that when we see needs, we're able to help. Mm -hmm. And none of us do this autocratically. We ask each other as leaders, what do you think is the spirit leading us to help? Emilio, he, we stood on property that the church has, has purchased right next to where we planted the church. He showed us the baobab tree. We showed the Jesus film under years ago. Yeah. Now they have 100 or so people. COVID really hit them hard. They're rebuilding. But in the middle of that, they bought a piece of property next to the church. And he even showed us a very rudimentary foundation they had started with the money they had. Mm -hmm. I imagine that foundation was what? It was maybe not even half of the church foundation? Yeah. It wasn't even half. Mm -hmm. But they took the money they had and they started this foundation. So we took some of the money you gave us that we had collected, some that the team had brought, mm -hmm. extra money, and we helped them provide enough money to finish that yeah. foundation. So you were a part of that and you didn't even know it. Yeah. Next one, Tara. Next one. This is Esther. I, I mentioned in my reflection that we had a couple of ho uh, hospital visits, and this child, while we were present, was hit by a drunk driver. And it is, it is highly possible that the, the taxi driver that was driving her around um, is no longer with us, but Esther was with us. And so I am holding a child of God who survived an accident, um, and there's more to that story, but that is a precious child in my arms. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's your three pictures, huh? Thank you. Thank you. Dennis? Hi, I'm Dennis. Uh, surprise number one uh, in, in going to Africa was that a lot of them spoke English. And uh, so they're very well educated, um, and I was surprised by that. But this was my first trip to go to Africa. <clears throat> Les was talking about it about six months ago, and, and I thought, I'd like to go with him. And so I felt the Lord uh, uh, telling me to go ahead and do that. So I'm really, it's been my privilege to serve with these, this team and the other five that are over in Eugene. We got to know each other very well, and each one of these members enriched my life personally. Uh, two of my involvements as a team member were painting and taking pictures and videos. Um, we were trying to paint the walls on the school blue, and so I, I spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, I helped in any way I could uh, other than that. As the song goes, Trust and Obey... Uh, there's no other way. So let God do the moving through his Holy Spirit and just trust him. And after all, we're partnering with God, aren't we? Uh, there's poverty everywhere you look in Africa. Many people live uh, a hand-in-mouth existence, focusing every day on where they're going to get their next meal. And like Pastor Les talked about, they walk a long distance just to get water or food. Most have no means of transportation sometimes walking 10 miles a day one way. And uh, some have bicycles, um, and they bring their, their market, marketable wares to barter with. Uh, there's fewer motorcycles, and cars are very rarely seen outside the cities. 
Three things stand out. First, the friendships that I made are the most important aspect of the trip, and they give faces to my prayers. Second, I've learned that the need is endless, and misdirected financial help can cause misunderstanding and friction and even some jealousy among pastors and their congregations. So it's very important to learn to, um, to learn the culture, which I know nothing of. And I realized that I really uh, needed to rely on trustworthy leaders. So observing leaders and uh, aspects of their ministry uh, that proved to me that they're worthy is critical. Trusting their advice uh, will maximize the impact of any financial involvement that you might have. If you're looking for a vacation, relaxation, and taking it easy, this is not for you. (laughs) But if you want to experience the Holy Spirit at work, and you're willing to get your hands dirty, so to speak, then I encourage you to pray about your own involvement in this team. Thank you. Dennis, hang on. So here's uh, Pastor Ryan on your left, and Patrick, those are the two team leaders from Eugene. Uh, Here is the school he's talking about. Yeah. So you'll see this is on the day they celebrated 100 years in Mozambique with the Church of the Nazarene. The uh, governor came. Everybody, every dignitary this side yeah. of the Mississippi. Well, Mississippi didn't quite fit. But the Zambezi River was and on there. On the other side of the campus, there was probably 1,500 people getting under the canopy. So the on the left, you see the green building. There's another one exactly like it on the right, mm-hmm. where this picture was taken from. Straight ahead was the woman's prison that I told you about a few weeks ago. That when I first went there, it was it was destroyed. Um, there were only partial walls, no roof, no floor, no lights, no no nothing. And we've come back and we've started building the school. They started out with 50 students. Now they have a thousand. And the dream is to have 3,000 teachers. They're training all in the Church of the Nazarene in a Christian school in this region called Tet Providence or Tete, as they say. So it's a powerful vision. And it was a wonderful day of celebration. You know that, lady. Um, and this is Yvonne, the, uh, the, the young man who came out of a Muslim family and has, con- you know, God has converted like seven of his family members and he faces danger every day. And he has three satellite churches plus speak, the mother. Speak. He has three satellite churches plus the mother church and he's thinking of opening three more uh, on each leg of, the, of those arms. So, so before we went, I, I emailed one of our leaders there. I said, is there any way that we could get Yvonne to come? We'll pay for his transportation. you got to understand, these folks don't get a salary as pastors. Uh, what happens is it's more of a bartering system where, they, where, where someone might bring them corn or, or some kind of something to eat. Uh, they, they're expected to make their own uh, financial uh, supply. So they raise chickens, they have a little store, they do, they do something to support themselves. So I said, I'll pay for his transportation, we'll pay for his lodging, his meals, everything, if he'll come. Because he was one of my first students in 2010 um, that graduated, and I knew he was doing a great work. God mightily used this man when he traveled with us to northern um, Malawi, from southern Malawi. And when I asked him, I, I, I want to know, how, what did it cost you to get here? Well, it cost him seven U.S. dollars to get on a on a bus and go from Southern Malawi to Central, but he didn't have seven dollars. No, not seven dollars. Now that's not much to us, but for them, it's the world. So, um, thank you very much, brother. And we're praying for this man, and he's the man that's asked us to come back and help. So, Lyndon, come on up. So here's Lyndon Jelsowski, 
who is soon to be married in four weeks uh, to this handsome man, young man down here in the front. So Lyndon, go right ahead. Okay, so first off, the picture that Tara showed of um, everyone praying in the circle. Oh, oh okay, sorry. <laughs> of everyone praying in the circle. Um, that was at the Wellis Village. And um, I snuck away from that prayer circle because there were a bunch of kids, and I just have a heart for kids. So I went, and I was hanging out with the kids, and they have like nothing. So I was sitting in this giant sand pile, picking up sand and pouring it into their hands. And they just thought it was the best thing in the world. And no one speaks the same language. I barely understood that one of the girls' name was Nasha. And I told them my name and I don't really think they got it, but we were having so much fun. And then when we got back to the house, that was the night that we had to take our water bottle showers. And I was not really happy about that at first <laughs> because I was covered in sand and had to take a water bottle shower, but truly at the end of that water bottle shower experience, I was genuinely thanking God for the opportunity to have an experience that would put me in their shoes like more than I could imagine, and it just, it mm. broke my heart, and yeah. it just truly like filled me with a sense of just empathy for these people and it just brought me closer to them than I think that I would have had the opportunity to if I had taken a normal shower <laughs> um but anyway the whole time that we were there it just it felt like uh, just glimpses of heaven left and right and um this school that we went to my nickname for kids is Lala my little siblings all call me Lala and I always just introduce myself as Lala and when we were walking around that school we were there for a couple of days in a row and Every once in a while, I would just hear, la, 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 or look, it's la, la, or hi, la, la. And it just, like, it was truly heaven on earth to hear that many kids just, like, so excited to, you know, see all of us. And, you know, when they knew your name, they would just yell at you, and they would be waving and smiling and laughing. So that was beautiful. And another um, glimpse of heaven on earth that we got was, uh, some people have mentioned, when the, they sing, it's beautiful. And when we went to one of the villages, they welcomed us. We got out of the van, and they were singing, and it just... My immediate thought was, this is how it's going to feel when the angels are welcoming us into heaven, and they're singing, and they're praising, and we don't understand what they're saying, but we know that they're just worshiping and thanking God for the opportunity to be as an international church together and one people. Um, and then uh, the last thing was actually my grandpa, watching my grandpa, uh, he plays this game called There's a Bear, um, many of you know it, and he basically has... Like, it's like a line of people, and he goes, there's a bear, and we, like, are all pointing, and then we end on our knees, and then at the end, he, like, shoves the whole line over, and everyone topples down. So he played this game in the prison that we brought knives into, that he, like, pulled up, like, like criminals to play this game with him, and, like, shoves them all over, and I just thought it was, like, a beautiful picture of how my grandpa sees these, like, criminal men the same way he sees his grandchildren and he plays the same games with them that he plays with his grandchildren and his children and it was just so it was so cool to see that and I just I am honored to be a family member and I'm honored to be uh, going on this trip with him so thank you Andy. yep thank you yeah. <laughs> okay rapid fire and we're done here's the prison we wound up being at without even being on the schedule and like they said, a thousand men wish you could have walked through those doors with us and see the hungry faces of men who simply wanted hope. One of them was the taxi driver who ran into the motorcycle that almost killed our little gal. And we got to preach the gospel to him. Can you imagine that? Only God could do that. Um, here's the team. 
This is on the Shetty River that comes out of Lake Malawi. And it's just a great team uh, and, and love them. The two young men that are kneeling to my right, those two young bucks, I'll tell you what, they were worth gold. Uh, they ministered. They never complained once. They connected so well with the children. Let me tell you something in my heart. Anytime you can get kids to the mission field, get them there. Because that's where God plants it in their heart. He, their hearts are, 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 are they're pliable. And the Holy Spirit can speak into them. And not only that, they're one of the best ministers you can ever find in, in the world. It's just amazing. Here's my, this is one of my greatest joys. I prayed for over 10 years that God would allow me to take some of my family with me. And who would have known? It was only God who allowed me to bring my, my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter. And I hope there's more to come down the road. Here's the pastor who you, we gave $2,000 to her because she started a church with five people. She also was one of my first graduates back in 2010. She's serving in a place where women have no value. They're seen in property in many ways. If you saw the lines of children we saw lined up with their faces painted, the girls who are marching off to be taught how to please men. Now you think of that. Teenage girls being marched in a line to go for three weeks of training how to sexually please men. You know why we go, because the gospel brings freedom, even in a prison. Amen? Amen. And so um, this lady, she's called to be a preacher. She graduates at my first class. She takes a church, which is not a church, of five people in northern Malawi. Today, it runs over 100. And she has a dream of building a church building, but no one will support her. So we left enough money for her to start to buy a piece of property. To buy a piece of property. We asked permission from one of the leaders, because we don't do anything without permission. But we had to go around some other leaders in order to get the job done. And I already got a, a WhatsApp text from her saying, Pastor Les, you have no idea what you've done. Um, you pray for her. You pray for her husband, Potiphar, who I never met till this time. She was my translator. She's a phenomenal translator. Translated in both Portuguese and Chichewa. Oh, no. Chichewa and Taonga. Two different languages. And she did not miss a beat. Um, her name is Abigail. Abigail and Potiphar. You put them on your prayer list. We want to encourage them and probably will down. Here's the church that um, you gave money for, which we planted a few years ago. You gave money for his foundation. This is what the church looks like. It's nothing but sticks, nothing but thatched roof, a dirt floor. They put a wall up there since, since this picture that I took years ago. And they have, they have a tank outside the front door that has a lock on it. Every week they buy water to come to that village because there's no water. And they sell that water to the community so the community has water. I pray someday we'll be able to put a well in this because we, you put the foundation. Maybe someday God will lead us to do that. Here's our brother again, the pastor. Uh, I'm not sure that I have the picture of the toilet next to it. It's nothing but four sticks, and it's got plastic and cardboard and whatever around it. That's the toilet for the church. Here's the prison now that it's done. Used to house women incarcerated. And today it houses children. <laughs> it teaches children about Jesus, a woman's prison. And now those two big buildings that go this way, 
with a thousand kids in it. Here's a building, the last picture I have, of in Malawi in the long way. I started this building right before COVID, then it shut down. I was delighted to see that there are other churches that are helping us put windows in and doors. While we were there, these men that are standing there, plus others that couldn't come down off the scaffolds, were throwing mud up on the inside of the brick for the plaster. This house is how many, this is where you guys had your children's CDC. How many people would you say fits in that building? A thousand, fifteen hundred, twelve hundred, twelve hundred people in this building. And we're trying to finish that off. So there's always needs. There's always concerns. I want to thank you guys. If I had time this morning, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd take a bucket of water. And I'd wash your feet. I would wash your feet. Because you were the hands and the feet of our Savior. He saw through your eyes. He worked through your hands. He loved through your heart. He walked through your feet. And only God knows this side of heaven. Only God knows the seeds you planted, the water holes you bored. Three of them. Three of them we celebrated this year. And God will receive glory. In the meantime, you've given a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Not to mention a little bread and a few steak knives in a prison. (laughs) Now, Lord, we give you glory. We said, God, at the beginning, this is not about us, it's about you. It's about you walking through our feet, working through our hands, seeing through our eyes, hearing through our ears, loving through our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for using us. We are so humble as a church body. Not everybody could go, but a lot of people here sent. And we're all part of the same team. And everybody takes a part and plays an important role in being the feet that are beautiful, that bring the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We are so humbled and grateful. Now my church... May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, turn his face toward you, and grant you peace. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.